Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Live. Hey everyone, uh, this is Rob Ryder, doing something a little different than a normal video, but uh, you're probably watching this as a video, however it was recorded on TalkShoe on uh, November 5th, 2016. I'm going to be talking to my buddy Bobby Kirby out in Arizona, who does a lot of the real, I mean the real doer stuff, going and asking people questions and making phone calls and and, 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 and. And uh, here recently, um, especially since we got involved in the my last three or four videos about mirrors and the endorsement and going to the EA, um, Bob's done all that stuff. And uh, well, we're going to see what happens. So let's leave it there for a minute, and I'll introduce you to Bobby Kirby. Say hi, Bob. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Good deal. Good deal. So... Um, I, I told you, Bob. You know, we got so much going on that I'm I have a hard time even keeping track anymore. So a lot of this is going to be you telling us basically just what has happened over the last month or so. And let's go back to uh, when we decided to contact the servicer of your mortgage. And in your case, your mortgage is already done. They would say, um, you know, you're not in your house anymore. You sold yep. your house, right? But Yep, that's correct. Right. But there's still things about the mortgage, uh, the paperwork, because it still exists. So um, go ahead and tell us what happened. You know, start with putting the MIN number in and what you did. Okay. Yeah, so uh, basically I got on this journey with you. Um, and when I say the journey for looking for my note is after we had discovered that whole thing with John's article. And uh, at the time originally we started with looking at an EA to try to help us out to find 1099s and wasn't getting any luck with that at all. So I went ahead and uh, started looking at going through mirrors to see what was on there. And I think I was just kind of looking at my deed of trust or warranty deed and just kind of looking to see who the players in the game were. And uh, you had sent over to me the mirrors website to put it in and put in my MIN number that was on there and figure out who was you know, who was the backing of the bank or whatever, kind of what John had uh, talked about in his article. And so when I put mine in, I saw that there was a PHH mortgage that was attached as, um, and you know the better technical terms than I, but right. um, as kind of the backer to um, to the bank, who I had got my, apparently what I thought was a loan through Merrill Lynch. And so um, went right. ahead and... Well, hang on just a second, Bob. So the person, I think they call them the servicer on the website. That's the name of the bank that you're going to see when you put your MIN number in is who is servicing your account, right? There you and go, the servicer. The servicer, right. And just so I can, and, and then John is a paralegal from Florida who worked for foreclosure attorneys, and in 2011 he wrote a letter to the 50 attorney generals pointing out that, hey, these really aren't loans, they're investment contracts. And so right. 
kind of what this is. If that's true, then those investments are ours, and we're just trying to collect our investment. And so, right. right. So that's what we're looking for is how do we collect our investment? And well, part of it is we got to go talk to somebody, and we're talking. You're going to be talking to your servicer now on the account. So go that's ahead. Correct. Yeah, good deal. Okay. So, uh, so I found out their number, and uh, I'm going to try to work this one part in because I forget how we did it either before or after. But um, it was uh, my buddy Hal who had had a forensic audit done. And uh, he sent me over his paperwork, which I sent over to Rob, and happened to look and see that there was the, the stamp on the note itself, which right. is a bank note endorsed, but it's in blank. So it's a bank endorsement in blank to the pay of the order of, but nobody there. So that is what really started me on the, the journey of I wanted to get that note because I wanted to get paid, you know, trying to find that. Right, because we like, believed if it was blank on the pay to the order, we should be able to sign it because that's the way bank notes work, and we should be paid. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to get my note, and you know, I wanted to get paid because you know, my uh, note at the time, I think it was for one hundred thirty-six thousand dollars. So I'm like, well, that's got to be a nice chunk of change plus whatever interest they might have got on there. Right. And so that was started me on the journey of the PH H Corporation. And uh, originally, I've uh, called over there and tried to talk to people, and sometimes you get the, the stone wall because they always want to know what you wanted. Right, so but, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're dialing the 800 number that they give you from the Mirrors website to contact your servicer. That's correct. That's correct. Right? You're just calling that number there, and it's somebody different every time. And I, and I would like to say for people, hey, we don't have an answer. If you think that he got his money, no, he didn't yet, right? But that's what, well, that is what we're working towards. So, all right, keep yep. going. Okay, so then what ended up happening, though, is that I went ahead and I put in that PHH mortgage and put it into Google and found out where they're actually located and found a different phone number for them. Uh, plus, I got an email and, uh, for them. What I like to do you know, at least to get going is get something in writing from them. So I got a contact person to uh, talk to. Right. You initiate contact, right? You don't wait. You send them something trying to get them to send you something back, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, because that's how this works, right? We need to make them speak. And the only way to do that is for you to send something to them. Otherwise, they're not going to say anything. Right. Right. And you gotta, and you got to keep following up. So what I did is I went ahead and I found their email, sent them an email, and it was to just a general customer service asking for um, my note with the stamp on there. and Right. Did you call it, you called it an endorsement, didn't you? I mean, that is what... Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. It was an endorsement, yep. Right. And so all and so, of these that, that Bobby and I are speaking of now, if you were to watch the last three videos, you would see what we're talking about. It's the endorsed note where they took your mortgage note, took it someplace, and sent it back with a stamp on the last page that's got a pay-to-the-order of line that's blank, and it's been signed by a vice president. That's what yep. we're talking about. So it's a bank note. It's no longer a mortgage note. It's been converted. Right. And so, and you know, um, to add to that, Rob, is that the other people, so they know that it's not just the one guy in Arizona that's done the video. He also said that Gene Keating had the same thing. A gentleman up in Alaska had it, and a, uh, another guy in, a, uh, in North Carolina. So it is stuff that all the banks are doing. It's just not, you know, in one particular area. And if and if you can remember where we are, right, Gene Keating has put a signed note into a court case along with a motion. And the motion got denied, but the judge has set a uh, settlement hearing. 
which is supposed to happen sometime in November. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, now Gene did his a little bit different than just him signing his name. And, you know, I'm not going to get into what Gene did. I just tell him he signed a note, put it in, and now they're having a settlement hearing. The rest will come out in the news when it happens. So right. there is something to this, right? That's the point. So keep going, Bobby. All right. So I went ahead and I sent my email to Mears, and I got a response back from their customer service. Um, and it was kind of a back and forth thing. And now with their customer service, which is now something that they have. Hang on. You just said you sent it to Mears. You sent it to PN to the bank. Oh, I'm right? sorry. Yes, yes. PHH Corporation. I'm sorry. Thanks for catching that, Rob. Yep. I sent right. an email to PHH Corporation, so I sent it to. Right, the one and got off of the email or off of the Mirrors website by putting in your MIN number. Right, and you right. Went online and, and put in the bank and found, hey, they got more than one phone number. They even got an email address, and boom, you're talking to them. Got it. Yep. So now I'm talking to PHH Mortgage Company, and um, the customer service is uh, something that I was finding unique is that every time I would send in an email, I'm always getting a response from like three different people. So even though I'd respond back to one person, there'd be somebody else answering back. And right. uh, not three answers, somebody answering back an email you had sent to somebody else, right? Like a, going through a round robin of people. Right, exactly. Okay. And so what ended up happening is that um, they, when I requested for my note in, in the endorsed note, is that they went ahead and sent me back my original note. So they still had it on file there at this place. Okay, right. You asked for your note, and they sent you a note, but it didn't have the endorsement on the back. That's correct. Yep, nothing was on there. I remember that. You called me. Say, hey, I got my note, but they didn't endorse yep. Right. Right, right. So then I went ahead and I responded back to them, and this time I was using my buddy's note saying, well, no, I want to go ahead and get this particular note with this stamp on there, just like my friends had. Right, right. And we said, well, I said, yeah, well, Bob, let's go back. and said, no, we want the one with the endorsement on it because we know they exist, right? So, no, we want the other one. Because, of the, just real quick, the thing about the servicers, they're supposed to service the account for anybody who's involved in it. And, you know, basically you are involved in it. So, you know, they owe you these, these things. And, uh, yeah, so we're just taking advantage of what should be ours anyways. Right. So then what I ended up doing is after uh, getting the back, uh, they sent a response back to me saying that I need to fax something over to them and then, you know, wait 24 hours, 48 hours, something of that nature. So I said fine. They gave so, you a fax number. So well, you're going to have, for that, you have to fax this phone number or this number. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So you couldn't do it by email. Now it had to be done by fax. Okay. Yep. So we went ahead and we faxed it over. And um, then actually they uh, they went ahead and they got it. I called them up. They said they said it takes about 24, 48 hours to get it. Okay, fine. So time came and went, and um, then they went ahead and they sent me over the same note that I already had. <laughs> and I said, no, that's not the one that I wanted. So once again, it was a back and forth thing, and um, ended up calling to them this time and saying, look, I've explained to you what I wanted. I've got an email here. Oh, that's why I called in is because of the fact that when I went to respond back, it was like the guy wanted to start all over again, saying, okay, well, if you want that, then you need to you need to fax this in. And I said, no, I've already done it. I'm not going to be sitting here doing this email stuff anymore. So I called up the customer service, talked to them on the phone, and explained to them that I already faxed over the stuff, 
you email me my note, you fax me the note, nothing has the endorsement, I sent it over. So this head customer service person said, okay, well, go ahead and fax it to me what it is you're looking for, and, you know, um, I'll go ahead and take a look at it. I said, okay, well, you got my email to the stuff I want, correct? And she said, yeah. I said, okay, well, it's the same uh, note endorsement, but I'll go ahead and write you another one, fax it over. Did the same thing. Still didn't get any results uh, from that person. And so what I ended up doing is uh, I happened to just call them during off hours. And since they're on the East Coast, they're, uh, I believe they're three hours ahead of us, two or three hours at the time. And they have a, a calling service that just answers their phone automatically for them, you know, anybody that's there, I guess, 24-7. So she had asked me what I wanted to do, and I explained to her that I was looking for, you know, um, my bank note, and I was wanting it with the endorsement on it. And I've already explained to them what I was wanting to do, and now they're wanting to start all over again, and, you know, I wasn't going to have it. And so she happened to tell me, <laughs> one of the things I found interesting at that time is that she said they have a lien release department there, Mm-hmm. And she also said that I can go ahead and send you over to, uh, now forgive me because I don't exactly know it, but it was basically a liaison within their um, department that works for the people to help them out to get whatever answers and questions that they had. Like uh, your advocate or... There you uh, go. I don't know when they call it. The, the, oh, man, yeah. Like an ombudsman for you. Persona, right? The ombudsman. Right. I mean, those are terms they could use for this person that's supposed to work for the customer's behalf. So, right. Right. So they went so ahead and put me in. Well, hang on a second. So they, she she said they have a thing called the lien department. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. And then the a, lien, a lien release department. Not a lien department, a lien release department. Lien release department. And, uh, and this advocate department. So obviously, hey, banks have lots of departments, and if you're not asking for the department, you may not get to talk to those people because you didn't know they existed before. So that, you know, yeah, that's why that's good when they say those things. Oh, okay. Ask for them by department. Right. Good. Yeah. So they went ahead and told me that um, you're going to have to leave a message, though, because they're gone, and somebody responds to you within 24 hours. I said, okay, great, fine. So I get a call the next day, later on in the afternoon, and... Uh, she once again asked me what it was I was looking for, and I explained to her, and she saw the notes and everything, and she's, um, she told me, she goes, okay, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and put out my emails to all of her different departments to see what kind of uh, response I get. Now, at this time, when I did speak to her, because I've already, you and I had learned more and more stuff as we were going along, is that I also asked her for um, not only the stamp this time, but I also asked her for the 1099 OIDs, um, because of John's thing, and you know, right. see if we can get those. Better, it, it says the servicer or the trustee has the OID, the A and the B. So let's ask them for it. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. she said, "Okay, well, I'll go ahead and I'll, you know, put out the um, emails to them to see what kind of response I get." So, you know, time went by. She wanted to explain to me that there. Um, you know, that there was no note with a stamp on it because she wanted to tell me because my house was sold that they wouldn't have the note. And I said, well, okay, well, the, you know, the, there has to be a note there. I mean, you guys are collecting interest off of it somehow, some way. So, you know, um, you guys need to uh, come up with that note for me because that's the one thing I really want from you. And also the OIDs. 
And so her only response on the OIDs at that time was just the fact that um, if it was a foreclosure, then they would get the OIDs out that way. Okay, so let, let's stop right here because we're going to caveat just for a second. Now, why is it we're looking for the OIDs, Bob? What did somebody tell you? Well, because at the time, I went ahead and uh, talked to a broker, and that gentleman said that if you can get him the 1099 OIDs, he can go ahead and get the QCIP number on that. And just by having that QCIP number, he'd be able to tell us where those stocks are and what the REMIC they have it in, and he'd be able to get that thing cashed out for us and put it into an account to where we can uh, draw money out of it. Right. And, you know, and this is a stockbroker, and so what, I mean, just what was the name of the company? I don't have to who he is, but what's the name of the company? Uh, the company that I was looking at uh, at the time I was talking to the gentleman was Edward Jones. Right. So, some, I mean, just someplace like Edward Jones, we're just talking about somebody who, you know, stockbroker, right? Basically, a stockbroker company of some kind. Um. Has told, as you know, he said it. He's the one who said, it. if you give me the QCIP number, he can settle the account. So somebody, if you know how to get the QCIP number to anything that's yours, go talk to a stockbroker and ask him to settle the account. Yep. You know, that's a beautiful thing. So, okay. So, I mean, that's why we were looking for the OID. And, in fact, we had gone to an enrolled agent trying to get the OID. And, you know, that hadn't quite worked yet. But, but. You know, we may not need the OID because we could use the note and make it pay to the order of, and it's supposed to be pay on demand. Right. Wouldn't pay it. I had told Bob, well, we'll write a complaint to the Federal Reserve, so tell them that. And, you know, that's where all this all comes together a little bit. So keep going, Bob. This is you know, this is how we get it done. Okay. Yeah, so now the thing that, uh, and I'm drawing a blank on it, Rob, if you can help me on it. But I went back to her again because of the fact that they weren't giving me the note, but I had made a request for, for them to do something for me. And um, I, I can't recall other than I've been pestering them for this note with a stamp on it and to get it back to me. Um, oh, I know what it was. Okay, now I remember. So we had gone to them the first time and asked, and they told me that, you know, it says 24, 48 hours. Right. And then this woman, when I went to ask for a request, she told me that it's going to take, yeah, she was going to send out her emails, and she was, said it was going to take uh, three days to uh, hear back from them. And I had sent it in on a Wednesday, and it came to Friday, and she said, okay, well, we're not going to have it by then, so it needs to take um, up to 10 days or something like that. And so when I followed up with my question to her, we had said, you had told me, you said, well, go back to her and ask, where is it in the procedure manual that says this? Because they're just throwing out time frames. They're not giving us any answers. And so that's when I went back to her, and you also said, you know, tell her that we're going to file a complaint to the Federal Reserve. And so that's when I went back to them, and I said, hey, look, here's the deal. Either show me the manual, give me that note, or show me in your manual where it says it's taking this time frame, or I'm going to file a complaint to the Federal Reserve about you guys. And this was on her voicemail at the time. This wasn't actually talking to her. I just left her a message right. at a certain times she doesn't pick up. And we're talking about the advocate person, right? This is where yeah. were, who, who they said there's an advocate and this is the office or officer you're speaking to, okay? Right, right. She could, you know, if she went and tells me it's going to take, you know, 40, 48 hours and, you know, now it's going to take 10 days. And it's like, this is a bunch of crap. Right. And I figured that, you know, you and I had already discussed, they're probably just going to give us you know, the runaround anyways, and, you know, we're going to have to file right. a complaint anyway. Well, just back and, you know, I mean, that's all we can do. We're going to complain about you, right? I mean, come on, give me my answer, right? So good. good. Right. And, 
you know, and to tell all you guys right now, you do have a legitimate complaint. Just go. I mean, if you go and you look at the their website, you know, they ain't giving you documents and any and anything anyway. So if you want to file a complaint, you can. Just looking at their website at the Federal Reserve. We just haven't right. done it yet. Right, right. And, and when we get a little bit further, you know, well, just go ahead, Bob, and tell them what's happened since then, because we did that, and uh, this advocate has gotten a hold of you since then. Yeah, so then uh, just yesterday when I spoken to them, she had all kinds of news for me that I wasn't really expecting to hear from her. But she said that she's still waiting on other stuff to come into her. But she told me that she's going to go ahead and they are overnight me, and I didn't get it yesterday. Don't, uh, mail hasn't come because it's still early today. But uh, Monday at the latest, they're going to go ahead and send me a copy of my note, a copy of the mortgage, the title policy, the motion for summary judgment, which is two pages, the lien, the lien release, as well as the uh, 1098. Not the 1099, but the 1098. And so now, stuff to come in. This is what she has to send you, but she may even have more stuff to send you. Right. She might have more stuff, as well as that she also has, um, she's going to be sending me a letter. <laughs> I don't know what this letter is exactly, but she had to get an approval from her uh, boss or the top people, I think is who she said, before she can send me out this particular letter, which I have no idea what's going to be on it. Right. So not only are you getting documentation, documentary evidence, you're also getting a letter. So this is you know written specifically for you, not just this information. This is something written specifically to you, right? It's like, wow, okay. Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so... What was it about the lien that was so interesting? Well, so the lien that is very interesting, there's two things that's interesting about it. Well, there's more than two things, I should say, because there's all kinds of things it's interesting. To start ticking them off, right? There's, there's, it just goes on and on. So. Right. So the first thing I would say is interesting is the fact that I bought my house on April 18, 2005, and yet they said that there was a summary judgment against me for a lien on that same date of April 18, 2005. Right. So well, on April 18, 2005, for this piece of property, which is that's just the day you're signing papers on it, closing, somebody's getting put, a lien put on against me. <laughs> has, somebody is taking a, uh, they already have the, the summary judgment. Right, they already have the summary judgment. The lien's already there or was there or something, but they've that this is the summary judgment. Right, right, right. Well, my my point is they have the, the summary judgment is already done, and now they're going to go record it, right? I, I believe that because as you found out, this summary judgment is coming from a tax court. Right, because that's the other thing that she'd say. Now, that that's the other thing, and this is why for us out there, folks, is that you got to ask questions and keep asking questions, and if you don't like the answer, ask more questions because she had told me that I should have gotten all this stuff. Okay, well, I didn't. <laughs> My first thing is that I was, uh, what was I at the time? I want to say I was 30-something years old, 30, no, maybe even, you know, yeah, 30 or 29 when I got my house with my ex-wife. And I wasn't really involved in all this law stuff we're doing, but if I would have got something that says a summary judgment that I got a tax lien on, you bet your butt I'm going to freak out and go, oh, what's this all about? I just got a house and home and I'm already getting a lien put against me and a summary judgment. You know, and my uh, ex-father-in-law at the time, he was in mortgages, so he could have at least explained it to me since he didn't help me get the house. But you don't get those documents unless you ask for them. 
and they're not going to give it to you, and their whole out is that, well, you should have. That's what she kept saying to me. Well, you should have gotten this. You should have gotten that. No, I didn't get anything. Well, you should have. So that's why we're telling you to ask questions. Um, the other side that's interesting into this, um, and I don't know if, you know, so I guess we can kind of switch gears a little bit on this, Rob, is the fact that um, the title insurance company, they go ahead and give you title insurance three days after this lien apparently is against me, letting me know that I am free and clear of any liens on my property, and they're the ones that are supposed to be defending my title. Right, and, and so the thing that happened on the 18th, when we looked at, because I showed this in the video that's just prior to this one where, where the land lies, it showed in there that, uh, and, and I'll do it in my next video, to show, in fact, what I'm going to try to do is overlay some photo or some documents on top of what we're talking about. We'll see how that works. But um, on there, it said, uh, shoot, and there I go again. Say, I lost my place. Sorry, Bob. No, that's fine. Keep going. I'll figure out where I was. Okay, we were just talking about the lien, and now on the 18th is when I got my house and home, and then the 21st right. is what you pointed out. Uh, in the, it shows that on the 18th there was a deed of trust that was apparently filed in the official records. Right. Right. That's on the 18th, right? And so it's like, well, that must be what they're talking about. That would be the um, thing that says we disconnected. You okay? You still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm still talking. I hope this is working. Um, the connection to the server was lost. Would you like to reconnect? Yeah. Well, I guess so. I'm just going to keep talking and not look at the screen, and we'll, you know, I'm hoping it's working, Bob. So, okay. Um, so on there, it said that was on the 18th, but on the title insurance, it says that the title insurance is as of the 21st, including that um, document number that was given to the deed of trust that was included as you know part of the of the uh, insurance, right. Right, so that uh, you know that was covered. That whatever it was, they've taken advantage of, it, and you still have the title. And apparently, they didn't. There was a lien against your property. Right. That they're not taking. That they didn't take um, responsibility for. That was put on on the 18th. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I guess that's what I wanted to say. Right there. So for the title insurance company, they didn't cover a loss that is on your title insurance. And so you have a reason And you've now, already talked about that. So, um, okay. Well, what next then? Well, so I can go a little, touch a little base since we were talking about title insurance, what I did with them. Right. Uh, so you're waiting for this paperwork to come from um, the HH mortgage that is coming from their their. Uh, lien release department, and what did it include again? What were the documents you might get? Or uh, copy of my note, copy of the mortgage, my title policy, a two-page summary judgment against me, uh, as well as the uh, lien, the lien release um, that they have, and uh, also what tax court that they went to. Right. Right. That's why I don't, before we go, I want to talk about this tax court. So she was saying that this was done in a tax court. Yep. She said it was done in a tax court. Now, the thing is, is that she had said to me, she said, 
It's either in a tax court or a tax building or a tax office. She said that in different in different states. Okay, right. But the thing about a tax court is that's administrative. It isn't judicial. That's you know that's the court of exchequer. It's tax court. Right, and so everybody also needs to understand too is that they can't put a lien against you <laughs> just because you had to do something wrong from the beginning. Because right. they're saying that I did something wrong and I didn't do anything wrong. I signed papers, got a note, and next thing you know, boom, there's a lien against me. Right. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I haven't even missed payment yet because I haven't even started paying them. Right. But yet there, there's a lien already put against me. Right. So to actually see the documents and see what they say is going to be, you know, this is like brand new, never seen before information, Bob. That's you know. Hoorah, that's great. Right, and this is definitely going to be something because there's the, the other side, the side of the coin, because we had, you know, uh, kind of the sidebar here, we have looked on records for us using our last names and however, you know, that the court system's website at the Superior Court has on there and how you can search it. So that, that, this stuff is hidden. So it's not just out there in plain view. So what we are going to see is how they actually did it because she did tell me that she took it to our Maricopa County Superior Court. Now, if it's the, the, the court I'm thinking of that we go to, you know, it might be in there. Maybe it's a different one that we don't know about that they went ahead and took it to. But she said that they recorded that summary judgment there. Okay. And she said that the clerk even put a stamp on there, too. So it's in a document. Now this is what we're going to see, how they actually have my name and probably everybody else's name, but we can't find it or see it. But, but none of that. They took it to the court, and we are told that Mears is the mortgagee a record in the county land records. Right. Okay, and they put this lien in the court. So the court must be where the county land records are. Right. So, you know, they're not, my point is, they're not where people go to get their warranty deed or things like that that we normally think of where they lead you to to get your property file. That ain't quite the right office. It's not where the land is recorded. Maybe right. where the is recorded, but it isn't where the land by the federal or public survey is recorded, and that you know that all fits into this too. So, um, so that's where we were with just following the trail from um, the bank. Yep. The last thing that she said, because she sent you an email and she asked asked you, was there something that she could do for you or something like that? Didn't she, or some words that effect, or? Uh, no, because she just said that she was going to send me a letter and everything would be in, in the mail to me. Okay. But isn't she the president's secretary or something like that? Isn't she the... Yeah, she said the, the now the other lady that I spoke to, she freaked out because that was the other thing. You know, um, I went ahead and I called them back up because I was like, okay, you're giving me information. How much more can they give to us? So I uh, went ahead and called them back, and now it's after hours and wanted to speak to her, and I uh, talked to another gal that was there, and one of the things I did ask her, um, and this might take it to a different conversation if you want to touch it, Rob, because we went with from the title insurance, but um, right. is that I asked her for the, um, the QCIP number as well as the REMIC and uh, what the uh, prospectus was. Right. This, now, this lady, this lady is just a, the answering service now. I got past... You know, it's after hours, so it's just the answer to service that I'm talking to now. Right. And she freaked out. And Well, I shouldn't say she freaked out first. She was like, oh, well, you know, if you want the QCIP number, you need to go talk to um, the bank that lent you the money, that gave you the loan. And they said, oh, oh, so you guys don't have it. She goes, no, you need to go back to the people that gave you a loan. And then she says, um, did you have a financial advisor? 
And I said, oh, I don't think so. She goes, you get a loan? I go, yeah. She goes, okay, well, if you got a loan, you got a financial advisor or wealth, uh, wealth manager. I said, okay, I didn't know that. So I go, well, who is my financial advisor? And she goes, well, what is it you're trying to do, sir? And I said, well, I'm trying to get the Q-tip and the Remix in the perspective. This is what I'm trying to do. Do you know who that is? And she, then that's when she started to freak out. She's telling me, well, you've already put stuff in for a request. You know, uh, I can't be talking to you. You need to go and talk to um, Robin, who is the lady that's helping you. Um, I can't be having you out. And I just said, well, hold on. Who would be my financial advisor then? And she just said, well, you need to go to your bank. Go to Merrill Lynch. They should be able to tell you. Right. Go to Merrill Lynch. And who was Merrill Lynch on your deed of trust? They were the lender. They were the lender. So go to the lender. Right. Very financial advisor. Yep. And apparently you have a financial advisor as soon as you get a loan. Okay. And, you know, and and so, well, I guess we'll finish up there. But then you did call Merrill Lynch. We'll talk about that in a second. But go ahead and finish up with her because she's kind of freaking out on the phone right now and trying to get Bobby to go away. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what was going on. I mean, she didn't want to answer any of my questions at all. So I just kept pounding her on the fact of, you know, uh, of trying to get the Q-SIP or, you know, trying to get – uh, the prospectus, or just trying to get, you know, to the remic, if anything. And then she wanted to, you know, she was trying to, you know, steer it from the fact that you wouldn't have that unless it was a particular type of security or whatever else. But she just kept saying, you need to talk to Robin or you need to call back Merrill Lynch, okay? That's all I can tell you, sir. I mean, then she started getting very rude at that point. And I just said, all right, I'll talk to you later then. And that's when I just hung up with her. And Robin is the president's secretary. Yep, and then, oh, that's right, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. So then at that point, she told me that Robin is the right-hand man to the president of the PHH mortgage. There you go, right-hand man. Good good enough for me. We're talking to the right hand, not the left hand, finally. Thank you. Yep, yep. Okay, and so you took her advice, and you called, uh, well, your I just called Mer- Yeah, I called Merrill Lynch, who was just the basic people we were working with out in Sun City. Just looked them up, called the phone number, and happened to be a financial advisor's phone number that they use on the website. I didn't even know this was a financial advisor type of place. I thought it was just a regular bank. And uh spoke to one lady there, told her what it was I was looking for. She said she couldn't help me, so she transferred me over to another woman who uh, was trying to help me out. And she had told me, or she had asked me, she goes, okay, well, let me look it up, because I had told her I had a loan with them. And right. I was trying to find what is it, a Q-SIP. What is it you told them you're looking for, right? I mean, we got to go step by step, Bob. So what is it you told the, these people you're looking for? Well, I told them just like I was, you know, told the last lady. I said, I'm looking for the Remix. I'm looking for the Q-SIP number um, and the perspective of this. Right. And she and so she basically just asked me. She said, well, what is your, um, what is your uh, Social Security? I gave it to her. And she goes, well, what's your name? And I gave that to her as well. And she told me that she... Uh, couldn't find me in the system, and I said, well, that's because I had a loan with you guys. I don't have it anymore. She goes, oh, well, how long ago did you have it? And I go, well, it's been about three years since I've had the loan with you guys. And she goes, okay, well, after a year, we dump everything out of our system. If you don't have a loan that's current, then, you know, we'll we'll dump it out. And I said, oh, okay. Did you give her the loan number, Bob? Uh, I I told her I had the loan number, but she didn't want the loan number. She wanted the account number. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yep. And so then I just said, okay, well, she goes, um, she goes, but if you can give me a name, then I can go ahead and look in there and tell you what the remic is and give you all the information from it. 
And I said, a name? What, what kind of name are you looking for? She goes, well, like Amazon or Walmart or something like that. And I said, so if I got you the uh, the remix of what it is, I could give it to you and and uh, you can find it? She goes, yeah, if you can give me that, you know, then I can go ahead in our system that we have and, and look it up for you. I said, okay, great. <laughs> right, right. Now, why that's important is all these remix are supposed to have been registered with the IRS when they're created. They may not report because they keep the numbers low enough for um, investors that they don't have to report. There's, uh, you know, this is all done by particular rules that are written particular ways. And one of them is if there's less than 300 investors, they don't have to report, but they have to register. And so, you know, there's actually a, an IRS pamphlet that lists all the remics that are made for any particular quarter. Now, it isn't going to tell you what yours is. I'm just saying, well, they are made, they are registered, and the IRS knows who they are. So, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Right. And so these are done, right? And I'll send you, I think it's a, like publication 550 or something like that seems to stick in my head. That, uh, but it has to do with Remix, right? And you know where you find this stuff? Well, you find it in uh, Section 2 of the IRS 6209 manual. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, right? There you so go. Them, just put in the word Remic and see what comes up, or whatever Remic stands for. And you know, hey, there's forms that go to that kind of stuff. And, um, right. You know, I mean that's all sideshow stuff right now. But uh, um, I'm just saying, so they do exist. And if we could find them, she's saying that she could use that to find your loan. But if your yeah. loan was still current with them, you should have you go ahead and get it. You should be able to get your financial advisor, bank wealth manager, who at your bank or lender, I should say, right. and they should be able to get that information for you or ask for that. <laughs> at least right. ask them for it and see what they give you. So here's the here's the $10,000 unknown thing, right, is that the name that things are entitled to or titled to, vested title, aren't you and your proper name. They're in a legal fiction that is made up of your name and another name and maybe your wife's name and so forth. So that's really who the title is in, and I'm just wondering if we need to say, well, this is the name it's in. Right. Right? And so this is the title side that we're still going to talk about, but what Bob found out from Merrill Lynch is, yeah, if you give them the right information, they're supposed to be able to give you uh, this financial information. So we'll go back and try it again some more. This all happened, I mean, this just happened Friday, right? So it's like, wow. Um, right. Now the weekend gets in the way, and we can't do anything anymore with it till Monday. But uh, okay, so we're waiting on them, and uh, you're waiting for this package to come from the bank, and and none of this had that much to do with uh, title insurance or the BLM yet. We still got that to talk about. So yeah, yeah. Wow, and they all fit. I mean, they all fit together. It's like wow, we we found a bunch of stuff in one little corner here. So okay, then. What do you want to talk about next? Well, I guess, I mean, because the title insurance is kind of short, but, you know, we can touch on that a little bit because the BLM is kind of a little longer right. type of stuff. I, I'm just trying to tick things off that, you know, that we should talk about because I talked about them in the video, and they are there. And, you know, we could get a lot of – if people were to do a few things with this information and report on it, well, we might even get some more done. That's oh, yeah. I'm telling you is for you to go do something with it. Right. So um, – Okay, so we found your, uh, I showed your title policy in my video, and it showed on Schedule A, I believe it was, who the insurer right. 
is and who the property is titled into or titled to. Right. And um, neither of them are you and your proper name. Like the insured was you with a middle initial name and your um, your ex and her maiden name with no name, middle name at all. Right. That's who, that's who the insured is. That's who the title insurance put the insured as, right? So they omitted your name as being the insured. Right. That's errors and omissions. So we have, you know, we have claims against the title insurance company just because of the way the paper's written. That's what I'm trying to point out. Without anything else that's happened, just the way the paper's written, that's an error. It doesn't have you as the insured. Right. And then it put title into some crazy-ass name that looks like, you know, you're in there someplace, but it's a legal fiction. It really isn't to you. It's to a legal fiction that could have any number of participants in a common law partnership that you don't know of. Right. So that's the game they're playing. And, you know, I mean, they can play their game, but once we figure out where their lie is, there's really nothing they can do. They have an Achilles heel, and they can't get rid of it. Yep. And, and they had to lie somewhere. And, it's, hey, it's right here on this. Bob's got a policy of insurance that's got a big-ass seal on it. Signed by the president of the insurance company and countersigned by the secretary. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, go ahead then. So, what what is it that? Because uh, you had a conversation with the title insurance company. Yeah. So then I went ahead and decided to go ahead and contact the title insurance company because uh, you had you know you pointed out in the video as well as when you and I talked about getting that policy information because of the policy number that's on there. Right. I wanted to get the file right. to see what's Order. on there. Up in the right-hand corner is a policy number, and that should be like a, a an envelope that has all the papers that go to the policy in it, and you should ask for a copy, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I went ahead and called them up, and uh, first I had called their their because they are a, a big branch or whatever, because you're dealing with the, the whole title insurance company themselves out of California, the corporation. Right. And so I called up their 800 number told them what it was I was looking for, and they said, well, what state are you in? And I told them Arizona, so they went ahead and transferred me over to the Scottsdale office here in Arizona is where they did. And this is the first title insurance company, is who it is. Yep. And so uh, I spoke to their receptionist on the call, and, of course, because they want to know who they need to send you to. So she was originally going to send me to somebody that was going to be another advocate for me to do research and find out, you know, for me for my claim. But uh, because I had talked about a claim, she transferred me to a lady that was in the claims department to file a claim for me. And so when I, spoke, when I was talking to her, she had asked me what it was I was looking for. And I, I explained to her, I said, well, you know, you guys were my title insurance. I had you guys in, uh, back in uh, 2005 when I had my house and home. And it's come to my attention now that I had a lien put against me on that same particular day, and yet you guys got, gave me title insurance three days later letting me know that there was free and clear of any types of liens on my property. That's what you guys put on your documents. And I'm wanting to know that why there was a lien there and why you guys um, didn't defend me for that. And so, of course, she asks you, just like everybody does, well, what is you know what was your, your address? Now, this is where I kind of stumped her a little bit, and I think it's what we need to do is I said, well, do you want the land address or do you want my physical home address? And she said, well, if you got the land address, yeah. So I try to remember the coordinates, 
you know, and I gave her just a little bit of it, and she was like, um, well, I gave her the lot number thing. That's right. I didn't give her the actual um, uh, whatever the latitude, longitude, you know, the town, township one. I didn't give her the township one because I couldn't remember it off the top of my head. You didn't use public land survey. You used something else, but okay. Right, right, right. So I just used the one that was off the warranty deed where it said lot 104, yada, 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 you know, flat book map and this page and whatever. So she was still trying to look look it up that way, but she she's like, you know, I'm not I'm not seeing it anywhere. Is any way you did it? You know, do you have your address? So of course I gave her the physical address, and she goes ahead and she sees sees it, and she goes, okay, and she's kind of looking through it. She goes, okay, well it looks like something changed in 2013, and I said, well yeah, I sold my house at that time. She's like, okay, but why? You know, what's the point of the call then? And I said, well the point of the call is the fact that you guys told me that my my uh, title was free and clear of any liens, and yet I'm getting PHH Mortgage Company, the, the backer of uh, my loan, saying that they have a lien that they filed against me, and they're going to be sending me documents right now that is going to show me the lien, the lien release, as well as a, a motion for summary judgment against me. So how is it possible that I had a lien, and yet you guys are telling me that there's a free and clear title? Right. She goes, well, when... And there's a judgment against me, and you have a duty to defend my title. Right. You had a duty to defend it. Right. And she has said, well, then, uh, no, I wrote it down, Rob. She had said that sometimes it happens in the, crap. She said it happens in that window. I know it. Remember I told you yesterday what that was called? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a transition window or something like that is what they call it. Right, right. Some caveat, like, what are you talking about? Right, but I don't remember what it is, Bob. Right, okay. Well, basically, she had said that there was a, a certain type of window that happens where if they're recording stuff, it might have got lost in between those things, and that's why we didn't see it at all. Uh, they didn't see the, the lien put on there. Because when okay. they go to record it, there's that, that time period, and right. so it might have gotten lost in that. She didn't deny that, hey, there could be a lien that they didn't capture because, well, they're still responsible for it. So, right? She didn't say, no, we didn't. She said, well, there could be a chance it got in in this little window. Right. It got in, in this window. That must be what happened. Exactly. Now, please pay me. Right. Right. Now, now so she, she goes, well, did you put in a claim? And I said, well, I put one in last year, and you guys came back and said there was no lien on it. Now, this is where it's something because now she went and she saw but I did put in a claim and in 2015 uh, okay. because you you and, uh, had pointed out that these guys were supposed to be defending our titles. And so I was wanting to call them up and say, hey, defend my title. I had a lien on it, you know, and right. uh, you guys need to take care of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Did you ever get served papers for foreclosure or anything? You didn't get that far. Did you sold your house just outright? And... Yeah, I just sold my house outright, yeah. That's all I did. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'm not going through a foreclosure, but... Right, right. But if you are, this is the thing, if you are, uh, as we're going to speak in a minute, the federal government, the Bureau of Land Management, says that your title insurance is your title, it's evidence of title. And right. it gives the... Um, what did it say on yours? The, ad, the, the street address of the land or something like that, and it gives the address, like you would think of as it being the address, and so that is the um, description that they would have to use to foreclose on. And if they're going right. to use that to 
foreclose on, well, then the owner of that that it's entitled to is this long-ass name that isn't the name they use as the defendant. They usually use some form of your name as the defendant, but that isn't who it was titled into. Right. Well, they're they're foreclosing on something that doesn't. My point is, they're not foreclosing on the right thing. You can take your title insurance into court, I believe, and put in your court case. Say, no, this is the title. Right? They're foreclosing on something else. It isn't on my property. Leave me alone. Right. Right. So, okay. I mean, that's that side of it. If you were in a foreclosure, but Bob wasn't. We're just trying to get paid because they didn't defend his title in the first place. Right. Right. Okay. So now that's where um, I went ahead and stumped her, though, because when she when I spoke to her, she said, okay, well, I now, mind you, I think I was, when I called you, I think it was like probably about 10 o'clock in the morning when I spoke to you. Right. Um, and she said, well, okay, well, let me uh, talk to my manager, and we'll get, we'll get right back to you. And I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> so I'm going to say I, I stumped them because of the fact they don't know how to respond back, even though she wants to say that it was, free and clear lien and that, you know, the title was all taken care of, and yet I'm saying, well, they're sending me papers right now to tell me there was a lien on there. What Absolutely. didn't you guys do? Right, and so you're going to be able to give her evidence just as soon as it shows up. It's like, hey, we're not making it up. Here's the evidence. There was a lien, and you missed it. Right. You didn't defend my title. I never had fee simple title. Right. So they had this lien that was clouding my title. So you right. guys lied in your documents. They didn't just do this to Bob. This is what they do. Right, this is where the lie is. It's in that fucking three day window between the eighteenth and the twenty first. Right. Where somebody's saying, Oh, well, we didn't see it go in and hey, there's a lien against your property we didn't know about, but they're still responsible because the title insurance says they were responsible as of the twenty first, not the eighteenth. Right. So yeah, they're responsible for everything before the you know, before that date. Right. So this is great. And and so in the video, it said, uh, you know, that a policy of title insurance is the last piece of this puzzle, getting insurance. But long before that, there's like a commitment for insurance that still shows information that's needed. Um, but the biggie is at some point they're going to create a folder, and whatever they want to call that folder, by whatever number, is where all the information is, and I think everybody should ask for a copy of their folder. Yep. And we'll see what's in there. And soon enough, we'll have the rest figured out. But, you know, this is for the proactive that say, hey, I'm going to go do something, you know, especially if you're in a a foreclosure. Right. You know, (laughs) so put a claim in to say, hey, go defend my title. Right. Um, And how do you find out? Well, you go to the servicer and you get a hold of the lien release department and say, send me all the paperwork that you have on my account. Right, and you're talking about the servicer of the bank, what you're telling them. Right, go to the servicer of the bank, right to the lien release department, and ask them for the paperwork. Right. Or, or you know, go find the advocate, whatever, because at the end of the day, you like to capture all the papers, but um, Fellow Grumman is going to say that your title insurance is uh, the evidence of who has the title, but I know that title insurance companies also like to say, well, the title insurance was only for the bank. Well, that isn't true, right? And so they still had to give you a copy because even if it was for the bank, well, you have a you have uh, 
an interest in the property also. So you still have a claim. That, that claim is for either those it protects or those who are bringing the claim. Right. Right. If the insurance company got it wrong, they got to pay one side or the other or both. So it protects right. everybody. That's my point. It protects the buyer and the seller, no matter who paid for it. Right, because they're going to have a big problem on their hands anyways, and I'm not into suing them, but I, I got basically a lawsuit at hand if I turn around and get these documents to say, well, there's a lien right here. <laughs> Where were you right. guys at? Exactly. And so hopefully we don't have to. We just give it to them, and, and we get the administrative remedy of, hey, you're right. Boom, we have to pay. Right? That's exactly. The administrative agreement, the consent or the acknowledgement that, hey, you're right, you do have a claim. Right. So, Okay. Okay, well, very good, very good. So that was yesterday, and they said and responded back to me, so probably give yeah. them a call on Monday, find out what's going on. And by Monday, hopefully you have the information to send them, and, you know, I mean, you can add, you can scoop another pile of coals in their head right here. Right. Here's all that information. Okay, and none of this has anything, so let's go now to the, or are we ready to go to the? Uh, yeah, that's all I got on title insurance, so so the legal description they're using on your insurance, you, you should find that. And, and all this information I, on Bob's, it's either on Schedule A or B. There's these two schedules. And one lists who it's insured in, what the amounts are, and wh what the property is titled in. And when you look at that, you're going to say, well, that isn't my name. But that doesn't mean that isn't who it's titled in. It's a legal fiction. It's like a uh, common law partnership that somebody created. And, um, you know, you're the unknown investor. Right, exactly. Um, okay, and then uh, we were, because of this idea of this conservation districts and them being a, um, I call them the shadow government, government because they're not being used. It's this, uh, this whole political subdivision of the state government that isn't, and it could be the federal state, lowercase state, that isn't being, it's not inhabited. Right. And so I was looking at stuff there. And we were looking at land records that took you from your um, water, what do you call them up there, Natural Resource Conservation District, right? to the state land office. And from the state land office, they sent you to the BLM. Mm -hmm. and from the BLM, not from your warranty deed, because they said they couldn't use those coordinates, but from another deed referenced in your warranty deed. They were able to find the survey, the public survey map of mm -hmm. your township that you're in. Even though you don't have civil townships, you still have survey townships. Right. Does that sound right? Okay. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. Okay. So, so I guess. But there was something there at the beginning that, uh, um, okay, well, go ahead. It'll, it'll come back. Okay. So basically what, now, the reason why we got into the land department, um, for me to find out what I did is uh, I happened to look at my warranty deed again because if you go back and look through paperwork again with a new set of eyes, you, know, you start to see things you didn't see before. And one of the things, if you all look at your warranty deed, they all tell you that you don't have access to the oil. So in my warranty deed, it tells me that I have, you know, my title to everything except all oil, coal, and other minerals as reserved in docket 1473, page 3. So I happened to go ahead and put that into the county's website to find out what this document was. Happened to turn out that this is a warranty deed to some other woman and her husband back in 19, 
40-something or whatever, saying that she's got access to the mineral, uh, to the minerals and everything, but it's like reserved into um, electric district that I had no idea that even existed. But you know, there's an electric district. Right, you're in an electric district. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I got that information, and to kind of tell everybody how the land and everything works, because these people want to just tell you that they sell off land and you know, their hands are clean over it. So. Back in what was it, Robert? The 1800s. Well, they mean government. BLM, the federal government, right? That right. They sell the land to a private person, and that's the last they hear about it. Right. So, but but originally it was uh, who was it was the president at the time because of the Dust Bowl. It was. Um, well, the Dust Bowl would have been Roosevelt, but I think in there years Woodrow Wilson that did the. Well, he did the land, but that was later in 1912. But I'm saying is that to get all this stuff set up for the land, to explain to everybody what happened is in why I stuck to these people and couldn't just take their answer is that that uh, um, uh, Roosevelt had went ahead and did this whole thing for the conservation district to get the land from the farmers to try to, in their eyes, say that they were trying to help the farmers out as far as the soil and everything else is what they're trying to do. So they went ahead and bought up all the land and they gave it to the BLM, which the BLM turns around and then they give it over to your state now when, when they became the state. So now it's all in their records. Then what the State Department tries to tell you is that they go ahead and they sell it off, you know, as a trust, and once they sell it off, they're done with it. But the problem is always that, okay, well, you guys just can't be done with it. Somebody's got to record something to let us know, you know, what's going on, and they all just wanted to wipe their hands. So that's when I went back over to the BLM after, you know, the state, because they explained to us that in in every, uh, I think it was an act, in every township, in Arizona, I can't verify for everybody else, but in the township square, they reserve a spot that they went ahead for the trust to give to a Section 2, Section 16, a Section 34, and something else, one other section, in every township square. So the rest of it is all private land that was being sold out by the BLM. That's how I got back to the BLM, because the state, they're the ones that bought it from the BLM in the first place. Now they're just going ahead and giving their chunk out to everybody else. So I went back to the BLM to try to find out with them with what was going on with my land at the time, because I don't have it, and which she asked me for the coordinates. Now, the coordinates I was able to go ahead and get now was from that um, the warranty deed, the, the, the reservation part of that second person that actually had the land. So I was able to use those coordinates, because they gave me a little bit more, to give to them to go ahead and look up what the land was, which ended up being a Santa Fe Railroad Company still own that land. And so then that's when I kept telling them and still handling them today is trying to get an understanding of that. Well, okay, looking at your, um, now I had one nice little lady and I, you know, this other gal, she is, she's, you know, she's also nice as well. But um, right now she's getting stumped because the emails I sent to her, because as we pointed out in the, in the video that you had shown, and with what I have, is that I'm saying to them that, well, your records are saying it's current, that here in 2014, that the federal land still looks like this little slice of right. portion of just three sections. Right, right. So hang on just a second. So um, from the mineral warranty deed, you were able to give, um, Basically, when you say coordinates, we're going to say things to do with the public land survey, that they were saying, oh, that's the township of the public land survey. 
your property is in section nine. Right. Six sections, six by six square. Right. Nine nine north, three west, I believe. Right. So and I was able to get that coordinates because of the fact that I went and got that mineral deed. Right. Right. Okay. And now you're looking at this section nine. Right. So now it's been split three times. Half of it went to the railroad, and it could be all of it went to the railroad, but there's three different land patents associated with the plat map that they sent to you. Right. For that township. Right. Okay. And so now this isn't out in the desert. This is a uh, surprise. Right. It's a freaking city now. I mean, I don't know what it looks like, but it's a city. So, you know, they're yeah, still only people owning a whole square mile. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And, and so it's this document that the BLM says this is their official record of title. Right. Right? So the federal government says the official record of title, Section 9 of the township you're in has three owners, and you ain't one of them. Right. There you are. So I think there's something wrong with the record. Right. So yeah. when and when you're saying as far as the section nine is that you got to understand is that it gets smaller. This is the land itself is what they're saying. Everything gets smaller within that to get into smaller townships. You know, if you go and you look at their document, it keeps roll, you know going on past you know township nine three west. It keeps going down to you know the northwest, the northwest, the southwest, the quarter, whatever. That's still in there, but it's not showing up on their records. And so that's when I questioned this gal to say, okay, well, if you look at your township map here that you sent over to me, I go, I'm not in this. And then also, based off of what you guys said in your handbook, um, that the title insurance is proof of ownership to the land. So if I had title insurance, why is my name not in the book? And she went silent. She was helping me before, but now because of that question, she went silent. And so I also asked her, is that, you know, well, where is the procedure? Because that's the other thing, guys, is what's the procedure? You always want to find out what's the procedure. How do you do it? Because you want to do the checks and balances or, you know, as Rob would say, that you're wanting to audit them. And so I had asked her, I said, well, what's the procedure anyways to go ahead and where's your manual at to show me what you guys do as far as recording um, the plot maps? So that way we can get them updated because they're supposed to be replatted all the time. And right. Now, you're said, reading now you're reading this stuff in the BLM manual, right? Yep. The one showed online that one that you sent me the link to. Is that all in there someplace? Yeah, yeah, that's online. Right. That's what I'm saying. All these things that Bob is saying about, you know, what he's going to talk about is what they said. It's in their freaking manual. Right. So. Okay. So I went ahead and asked her. She said, "Well, what's the procedure? What's your manual as far as doing this stuff?" And she came back to me and says, well, that's internally done. We don't give out our manual. And so which I came back to her and I said, well, what about this manual right here, which is the one that's on their website that they gave from the uh, Department of the Interior uh, and the BLM. You know, they gave the manual, and this was all just doing a search engine on their own website where it pulls up their BLM Acquisition Handbook. Right, Land Acquisition Handbook or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's a BLM Acquisition Handbook, H-2100-1, release number two, two uh, 290, release date January 31st, 2002. That's the one. So, this was, so I went ahead and copy and pasted that, sent it to her, went silent again. So it's unheard from her. Right. So waiting to hear on her. And so they're quiet right now. And so now we take that combined with uh, the things about the soil conservation districts and how they were created from a 
Dust Bowl Act by Roosevelt, who compelled the states to create boards if they wanted to have access to the federal funding for erosion control and so and things that now would be called the Farm Bill. And this board is supposed to be a local government or a local um, political subdivision of the state. It's a government subdivision of the state, and it has a seal that has to be judicially recognized, and its duty is to do for residents within the district. It's just not the county of Maricopa or Kent. Mine would be called the Kent Conservation District that has a judicially recognized seal. And um, and so we want to try to use that. And so they need to know that we exist. My point is, that's like the local arm of the federal government and the Department of Agriculture is the, you know, the, the giant arm of the federal government. And that's who we're talking about is working for you through this system is the Department of Agriculture. Right. Well, they want to act like they don't have a seal and so forth, and, you know, we're going to have to crack that nut a little bit. But, um, but so the question is, well, okay, so who need, who do I need to give my title insurance to to have the record show that I'm the freaking owner? And right. have it show up on the federal, on the public land survey map, because the railroad doesn't own this anymore. Right. Right? So, and so... Everybody wants to get these BLM maps, you'll see numbers on there. Those are the land patent numbers. And if you go to the BLM website and put it in, you can find the land patent that goes to it. And when you look at it, hey, and the thing doesn't have a seal on it, and it's supposed to be the official record. Well, that would mean officially it was never done. Right. Now, she That's, wanted to say, now, here's the thing she did tell me, you know, since she did bring that up, is oh, yeah. that she, she said that there was a GLO, GLO, which was a general land office, I believe is what it was called. GLO. And she had said that they had an official record there, which they stamped that land patent and gave it to Santa Fe Railroad Company, but all they did was give these guys a copy of it. And that's where I also, and that was another one that stumped her, where she has responded back. I said, okay, well, that's fine. Then where's the official record? And my example that I gave to her, so everybody understands, when you go get a notary seal on the paper and document, they're going to put it in a book. And then that book's right. going to be their Make official a, record to show. They need to make an official record of their acting in their official capacity and using their seal. Correct. Yep. Right. So that's what I used as my example to her is said, okay, well, if this was a notary, they would have put it into a book, and then they would have put a stamp on it to say that this thing got sealed. But where is that book to say this thing is official? Yep. And she's gone silent on that question, too. So I've got three emails out to her, and all three emails now, she was responding back, and now she's not. Right, and, and I believe just because I think I saw this yesterday was that all your records have gone to the Eastern group, right? All the historical records to, uh, you know, to, it, it says where the office is, so it's, I can't remember what it's called, but it does say, you know, the records went to this Eastern BLM office or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, because I told you, well, we don't have BLMs. Well, sure, there's one for Michigan as part of this Eastern one, but they're, it seems to be more historical, right? Right. It was under a little bit different system than the, what are they called? They, they have a name for uh, what they call it west of here. It has to do with a public, I don't say it's a public trust, but almost like it's the public trust. And so anyways, um, 
they are, you know, they owe us some answers, and they can't explain why a map that they say is current as of 2014 shows a railroad owning owning a half square mile in just one particular square mile in what would today be a city in Arizona. Right. Right? Well, how come the Fed, so that's to me saying, well, the federal government doesn't believe I own that property. Right. Well, that's, so what? We need to get them to change that, right? I mean, that would, uh, I, I want to be on that list. Right. So now, to, to you know, because this is where it was confusing me, but, you know, so everybody can kind of get an understanding is that this is where it gets, you know, to really stump them to make them answer us is that if Santa Fe Railroad Company still owns that land, then how is it that we're paying taxes to the state of Arizona, to the county of Maricopa, to the city of Surprise, if they're not the owners of anything? Santa Fe Railroad that does it. Railroad is my landlord. Why am I not paying them? Exactly. So why why am I talking to all these other people? And that's what gets them where they can't just, you know, as they were trying to tell me, and this is where you would push them, is, you know, they just want to say, well, we just wash our hands after we sell the property. Well, no, you can't. You can't just, you know, wash your hands. There's got to be something else that did because apparently, you know, the state's involved. How did they get involved if they're not the landowners? How did the county get involved if they're not the landowners? Yet I'm paying money to these guys. How is that possible? Right. And and the thing with the idea with the word landowner is that is what they use in the survey townships, or I mean in the uh, the conservation town, uh, districts. And um, as I had pointed out, if you go to the USDA, Natural Resource Conservation District, whatever it was, office, you'll see that every state has got a website, and you go and you look, you'll see that every state has a state conservationist from the USDA. And all their, all their email addresses are dot, like mine's dot mi dot USDA dot gov. And I've not seen Michigan and the United States government in the same email um, address before. Right, so that I mean, it's just significant that this one little path here is different than the rest. And well, I always look for things that are different, and this is certainly different. And from the answers we're getting to common sense questions, you know, it's not that they're saying we're wrong; they just haven't been asked before. Right, they go silent. So now, if anybody goes to the conservation district, because this is one of the things that was telling Rob that I had my aha moment is I did contact the guys that were out, out there. Now, I still don't know if this is the right government people because, you know, the guy gave me a Yahoo email address, not a .gov uh, email address. But one of the things he said is that if you want to become a member, you've got to show that you have proof of ownership to the land. Well, what did we just say with the proof of ownership? Their title insurance. Correct, right. And that's why I think you go there with your title insurance and give it to the freaking people at the, at the conservation district. Right, and say put me in the book because they have the plat map that so they have the state level plat map that shows what they say is the owners, and it's got a bunch more names on it than the federal one does, but it still doesn't have you on it. Right, yet in that book it had in the back appendix landowners, and this is in the conservation district. Right, that they want to act like it doesn't exist, but it it has to, and uh, well. It, it has to, right? So it does. Or they're they're violating 18 U.S.C. 666, which has to do with theft of federal funding, because all the farm bill runs through this 
thing that's supposed to be a local form of government. Right. Right. So if that ain't what it is, and somebody just committed one shitload of a crime, and you know they got a problem. And, right. Exactly. And so yeah, that. Um, so it's it's all good. I mean, this is all wonderful stuff, and the, the, the importance of your title insurance is becoming very important. Um, right. So. Now, did you want to discuss with them, Ron, as far as what we think should really be happening with our title insurance, since the way the United States does it? I mean, you know, add, add, pile on, please. Go ahead. If you got something else, let's do her now. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, because what you and I were discussing yesterday, last night, and I, I think you had saw that what we're thinking is because because uh, my question, you know, I always ask the why, 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 is that why am I getting a lien put against me and, you know, uh, as far as my property when I have the title insurance. But, you know, what it is is that we're, you know, we're, we're getting into a, a contract. No, it, it basically it was what I was saying, is that why am I paying all this money or assuming that I'm getting all this money from a bank when they're not, A, they're not lending to it, and B, it's that it's just a, uh, an investment for it. And so what we have read in their book is that we're supposed to be getting title insurance from jump and basically eliminating the middleman with the bank because all you're doing is taking your, your house and home and putting it up for collateral is what you're doing and then getting title insurance, you know, in the background to say that, you know, your title's free and clear. Okay, I see where you're going. You're talking about the ultimate goal to, to unconnect the idea that this loan or this investment contract has anything to do with getting the title to a house. It doesn't. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to do. Because nobody ever lends you any money, and it's an investment contract. Well, that isn't. The only reason your house is involved is because it was put down as collateral on the deed of trust. Right. Right? So, okay, so we can just say, well, let's eliminate the loan because that had nothing to do with it. So what are you left with? You're left with the house. Well, how did you get the house to be able to put it down as collateral, right, if you didn't need the money for the loan? And that has to be by... uh, you know, getting title insurance on a piece of vacant land and saying, well, this is the title. You know, I'm going to get a title into my name. Exactly. You need to go title, pay the $10 and get title insurance maybe. But um, at the end of the day, the money has nothing to do with the title to the house. They're two different transactions that are made to look like they, um, one depends on the other, but they don't. They don't have anything to do with each other, except you took your fee simple title home and put it down as, collateral on a deed of trust right for a investment contract not for a mortgage loan the bank did not lend you any money exactly and that'll blow it out of the water completely and i'm telling you if if this is whatever the truth is once it's revealed they can't undo it it's just like the shit that's happening to hillary clinton right now and i mean you got uh Steve, what's the guy's name, man? He was, uh, oh, big into espionage. The guy that Tom Clancy used as his model for the books he wrote. He's just come out recently. It's on uh, It's on Alex Jones, right? He's pointing out all these things he knows and that there's actually a soft coup going on right now behind the scenes, and that's why all this stuff is coming out and, you know, that apparently they don't plan on letting Hillary win. Right? So, um I mean, he was—he's even pointed out that Hillary and Bill fly down with some other dude to some island down in Bahamas or someplace where they have a pedophile farm and uh, you know play with little kids. 
Yeah, yeah, I was reading uh, just today that they're uh, they're gonna have like. Right. I mean, this isn't being hit. This is just there. It's blatantly out there. You can't hardly miss. I don't know. It's on mainstream media, but it's certainly all over the freaking internet. It's like holy smokes. We got Delaware Higgins here, right? So, John Podesta's email. He was asked to come to some certain kind of spirit meal where they put blood on the walls and write shit on the walls, and it's it's. It's really sick, right? These people have to go, and uh, this is how it's going to happen, by exposing their lie. Because everything they did is lying, cheating, and stealing, and they didn't lend you any money, and as soon as you break yourself out of that mindset that they did, you're going to set yourself free. Yep. That's where they're going to cut the banks off at the knees because they won't be lending any money because you're just going to the title insurance company. Right, And, and at the end of the day, I want everybody to live in peace, right? I, you're just not going to do it to me anymore. I'm sorry. I'm not putting up with it anymore, right? I don't have to put up with the billy goats. Right. So, hey, and, Bob, and I don't know um, if you got anything else that we need to talk about, but uh, we've been on. Well, did, did you want to talk about it real quick just to touch on, and then, you know, Bob will probably come on and we can do a, an audio with Bob as far as that whole uh, freedom of information. Yeah, well, I, we can talk about that. In fact, I talked to Bob this morning. This is Bob in Massachusetts that uh, – that he had put a FOIA request into his court case, um, which, you know, they will tell you you can't. If you go to my county website to do FOIAs, it says you can't FOIA records for the district court and the circuit court that are in the county. But then you say, well, okay, but really, um, that's because the judiciary is supposed to be independent. So, you, you know, okay, you just have to go to them directly maybe. Excuse me. So Bob put, when he put it in, he said he gave it to the judge, sent one to the court, and sent one to the um, uh, to the attorney, right? And, and so what has happened since then is he has gotten a letter back from the attorney that the attorneys at the time are no longer the attorney of record and somebody else has taken their place, making an appearance. Right. right? So it hasn't made the court case go away. And he hasn't gotten his FOIA answered, but it did get something like this to happen where they've changed out the attorneys. And, uh, you know, this is a case that he's had them going on for six years, and now they got to change the attorney out, right? So, I mean, he had to have done something. But um, on top of that is the fact that with these FOIAs, if you go and look at uh, USC 9, dot 210, and this is what Bob was telling me, that talks about these different kinds of, what does it say here? Request for accounting, request regarding list of collateral or statement of account. And it says, one, request means a record. I don't need to go any further. Well, that's what FOIAs are for. They're for records, right? So you can use this as to get the records. Um. And so he was asking for records of the account, or, or basically any financial records that had been created uh, based on this court case. And so I haven't really had a chance to read the things he sent, and that's why I don't want to speak you know, too specifically about okay. what happened. But, but it did cause something to happen, and it made me think. So I went last night, and you can go to your county website, and you can, to the county commissioners, because the head of the county commission is like the head of the, um, head FOIA guy for the county. Right. Right? So, uh, like last 
a week or so ago, I had sent a FOIA to a guy called the controller of the county who's supposed to be in charge of uh, insurance. And I asked him for the procedures and forms and so forth for filing a complaint against uh, uh, an officer's general liability insurance, right, for, for errors and omissions. And I got right. an answer. They said, well, there are, you know, they don't have those kind of things, but they do have the uh, a copy of the policy I can get, 450, you know. But if you don't like my answer, what you're supposed to do is write appeal on whatever it is at the top and send it to the county commissioners, right? And so everybody in the county eventually works for the county commissioners, and I believe that these courts eventually work for the county commissioners, so what I did is I went to the county commissioner's website, to the FOIA thing you can fill out online, and I just said, I want all records um, that incorporate my Social Security number by reference. Right? That's the records I want. Any record that has my Social Security number attached to it. And I've, and I've sent it to them. Now, they have five days to answer that, or you know they can ask for an additional 10, but they can have 15 days to answer by the state law. And so my idea is they don't. Well, this is what I want to take to the conservation district to say I need help with this, or I'm trying to comply with this law, and they're not doing it, and I need, you know, because they have, they have a seal that is judicially recognized, and their attorney is the attorney general. Right. Right? So I'm going to take, and so what it says in the law is, well, what is, you know, how do you get the, counsel to help you. And it's like, well, you have to submit a request for help. Well, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to have, you know, what do I want help with? Well, in this case, I want help with this. They won't give me the records held within the county that incorporate my Social Security number by reference. And if they were to give you those, that would be all these 1099s and who knows what there is out there, Bob. I mean, never any list of papers. That... So, yeah. I, my point is to try to use the FOIA to its fullest extent, and when they don't give you what you want, to take it to the soil people to say, hey, these people aren't giving me what I want. Right. I need help, right? I need you to help me to comply with the state and federal law, which is one of their duties. Right. So that was kind of my, my take on it. I really haven't had a chance to, to go through Bob's stuff too closely, but, uh, you know, what he did was he he got them to stop again, He's done all sorts of things in this court case, and um, but the idea of the FOIA was, uh, uh, well, to me, it could be a turning point in my thinking. Yeah, I'm going to use the FOIA, say they won't do it, but I'm going to FOIA the financial records from the court. You know, that's the other way to do this. I just decided to go to the county commission because I could, not just use my Social Security number. But you could go to the court administration and say you want to have all the financial records that have to do with your court case any bonds or whatever, or any, any document that would fall under the definition used in uh, USC 9210, something like that, right? It, uh -huh. These don't have to be that specific other than to ask for a record and give it something that's tied to the record. And the, the one denominator is, well, the court case number or your Social Security number. And uh, make them... Uh, and again, because that isn't the judiciary, that's court administration, right? They're taking these documents and turning them into securities. Well, that ain't the fucking judiciary, that's banking, right? That's the stockbroker. 
Who can take a piece of paper and change it from one form to another? Right? I don't think the court can do that. They may make a determination whose property it is, but they can't change its form. That's done administratively. Not right. and, so, and so FOIA only applies to things to do with the administration. Right? Not really to the judicial, but more to the administration. So Forget what happened in the court. Where's the damn bond, right, that you floated out there on the stock market? What's the QSAP, right. right, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's, we'll see what happens next week. But And, and so my brother-in-law, Brian, was going to do the same thing in his court case. We're just going to use his court case and put a FOIA into the court and then put a FOIA with the same things into the county. We'll just cover our bases, just do both of them. Right. And then, Rob, don't you think that, I mean, because you and I were also talking yesterday as far as um, why we think the court is, was it administrative rather than judicial for the for the upper courts because of the, the tax? Well, you know, because they, put the, they said they took it to a tax court, and a tax court's administrative. It isn't judicial. It's the court of exchequer, right? It's a court of equity. Right, but then when they take it to the other courts that we think is the court, it's not because we didn't go to the tax court. No, they go to the tax court, and they get in this administrative court, they get some kind of judicial, um, what they call it for you? They got a ju- summary judgment. Summary judgment, right. From a from an administrative court called a tax court in some jurisdiction, we're not even sure where it is yet. But whatever that judgment is, they're going to take that and file it, in my opinion, as a foreign judgment in the court of law that does exist that you're within its boundaries of. They, right, because that's what they said. They took it to the superior court, or what I think is the superior court, you know, at the, the county level. Right. Is this lowercase superior court? Is this proper case superior court? Is this uppercase superior court? Exactly. But wherever it is, you should be able to walk in, because they're going to give you a copy of it and say, show me where this is filed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I'm going to do when I get this. Right. That's the thing. This is why, oh, we're going to get the paper from the people that did it and see where they put it. Right. Right. So, yeah. And I'll be able to find out what name they put it under and what they did with it. And so find out where all the records are for that particular name in that particular court that, that I had no idea I was in. Absolutely, Bob. Absolutely. So, okay. I'm going to cut this off, Bob, because, uh, you know, they get too long and people complain. My videos get too long. And uh, but we covered a lot of stuff, that's for sure. And I'm sure we're going to add to it yet this week. Yep. So very good. Thanks for your time, Bob, and thanks for all your hard work. And, uh, hey, America owes you, no doubt about it. <laughs> thanks, brother. We'll talk to you. You got it. You're welcome. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.